1: And good evening to you wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Great to have you with us wherever you may be listening. And you know, um friends, I don't know whether you know it or not, but uh, our broadcast is, as you know goes international. We have listeners in East Germany mm-hmm. and uh, in Israel
2: and Iraq.
0: Uh, Iraq. Germany? Yeah.
1: Just uh, what what a wonderful privilege to be able to join you every week. And uh th- this week Elaine, you know, there there's some wisdom Biblical wisdom about practicing what you preach and, and walking your talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not really, um, it's an inferred part of that, but you know, it, stuff can come back to you, you know, from your past. Ooh, and that can either sometimes. be a good thing or a bad mm-hmm. thing. And today I want to celebrate. A good thing. Yes. Because we've got some friends with us, especially yes. an old. Well, you're not old, Russ. <laughs> He's going to start you're, it off. You're right. a long, <laughs> a long time friend Thank you. Uh, from from uh, many, many years ago in in the fire service and. You know, it's just interesting how how God connects us again. Yes. You know, and how he connects the dots in ways that, that we never could. And it's such a joy to uh welcome today uh two uh fire chiefs mm-hmm. from our area, fire wardens and uh in Office of Emergency Services Directors, uh, Gary Henshaw and Russ Richards and uh, great great men of God but also uh men that God has placed some incredibly uh, astounding responsibility on. For the care and welfare of a whole bunch of people in a huge county. And we'll be talking about that in just a few minutes. Before we introduce you to them, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs.
3: What would people think when they hear that i Jesus freak? What people do if they find that it's true? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with news of another real-life Jesus freak. It's the 12th century. King Henry II demands the Bishop of Canterbury, Thomas A. Becket, give his allegiance first to England and then to God. But Thomas patiently explains the difference between the word Lord with a small L and the word Lord with a capital L.
1: Thomas tells the king, For on his fearful judgment day, you and I will both be judged as servants of one Lord. Not long after,
3: Thomas A. Beckett is slain by four knights of the king. So, who's your Lord? Will you stand with the voice of the martyrs? Go online to persecution.com.
1: And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. Again, Mike Douglas with you along with uh, Elaine Harlan. And uh, just a reminder, friends, if you'd like to find uh, locally here in the uh, greater Stanislaus County area in the southern part of San Joaquin County, if you'd like to find out more ways that you can get out the side of your four walls of your churches and your homes to personally serve the needs of others why check our website it's www.vibrantcommunities.org that's vibrantcommunities.org click on the little red flashy daily gizmo. icon gizmo, gizmo thing yeah. and it'll take you it right to our daily update page elaine ups, the updates that several times a day great opportunities there to serve uh, to reach out in the name of christ and meet the needs of others let's uh, check in now with our friend brad dakis from the pacific justice institute
2: it's time for the legal edge a look at your rights as a christian a parent and a citizen and now with a look at what's happening on the legal front the president of the pacific justice
4: institute Brad Dacus. How dare public school officials think they can sidestep parental authority? After two R-rated films were shown to her sophomore daughter, Jane Kazor, complained to the Huntington Beach Union High School District. She was ignored by the school and other attorneys until she got a hold of Pacific Justice Institute's attorney, Karen Milam. Accountability was demanded of the school board, and last week it voted in favor of a policy to ban R-rated films and require parental permission to show only excerpts of such films. Other parents are now experiencing... Their support. If even Hollywood has a rating system, schools should certainly be more responsible. Check the movie policy at your local public schools. I'm Brad
1: Dacus.
2: To find out more about the Legal Edge, call 916 857 6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org.
1: And just a reminder, friends uh, if you'd like to call them toll free, you can do that. It's one triple eight three zero five nine one two nine. See, somebody's calling right now. That's one triple eight three zero five nine one two nine, and the good folks out there would be happy to help you out.
0: Operator standing by. <laughs> so take your call,
1: because it's only available on KTEL Records. But right?
0: wait, if you call not stop us, and we'll please. I'm throwing some Ginsu <laughs> knives
1: while we're at it. Let's Signed see. by the Fire Warden, no yeah. less.
0: <laughs> Were That's, you trying to do something I think so, there? and okay, we better right. get on with this. The Volunteer Center of the United Way has some opportunities for you, like the Howard Training Center. We're going to start it off with food, one of our very favorite things, because the 14th Annual Crab Fest Fundraiser is going to be held on Friday, February 29th, and Saturday, March 1st, at the Whitmer Hall. And this event features great food, entertainment, dancing, and fun while raising dollars to support vocational and non vocational training for adults with mental retardation and other disabilities. Now, while this is uh, all happening, what we want to talk about is the volunteer opportunities for this great event because you're needed to help set up, serve, and clean up on the 29th of February beginning at 2 in the afternoon and then on March 1st at 12 noon and March 2nd at 9 in the morning uh, to assist with the final cleanup. Now, you might be asking, can't you do both? Can't you attend the fun food park and the cleanup? And the answer is yes, you can do that. So uh, stick around and we'll tell you how Did to do that
1: picture <laughs> they advertising that
0: uh, no, I did not. Yeah, in the newspaper,
1: no. there there were two of the uh, volunteers there dressed up in crab suits. Wow, but that was. I really mean, I don't know. Things. Yeah,
0: well, it, it wasn't you, by it election. wasn't. No, you know, it
1: wasn't wasn't okay. me. But you know, because I'm afraid at ABC, what the board of directors would have but, me dress as. You know,
0: and, <laughs> you know, a
1: vegetable, perhaps. I don't know. That would be interesting. But anyway, there's more information on more this. More information right. on
0: that, so you might want to check that out. The American Red Cross Daneslot Chapter, where you be- can become an everyday hero through disaster services and community education programs. Volunteers are needed to prepare, prevent, and respond to local and or national disasters, ensuring that disaster victims' emergency needs for food, clothing, and shelter are met. We'll be talking about some Mm -hmm. of those uh, things tonight as well. Community disaster educator volunteers also needed to accompany another volunteer or staff member uh, to schools, churches, corporations. Uh, We're using script and visual aids I just got a visual of you blowing up that mannequin one time. Wasn't it at school or something when you – didn't you do something well, strange to a mannequin? Yeah,
1: you know, I was, I was in my prime as a trumpet player.
0: Not Probably not a very nice thing.
1: Well, and, and, you know, they said you have to go get your CPR thing mm-hmm. to be a, an explorer in the right. police department. So I went there, and they put the little recessa Annie thing out there, and the guy mm-hmm. says, Okay, you know, he showed me how to – and he says, Now, blow into recessa Annie." So I – you know, it's like hitting a high C. <laughs> And and I burst her lungs, you know, and the guy was really annoyed, and I don't don't understand that. that. So I, my relationship with Rosasa Annie is is a little tense.
0: I think we should keep you away from the American yeah, Red Cross
1: keep me away from american
0: yeah. volunteers anyway folks the American Red Cross does you provide, brought it up so I'm sorry I did it provides relief to victims of disaster and helps prevent those kinds of things preparing you for and responding to emergencies okay. uh, so they do a fantastic job over there Jim money and Rebecca and uh, all of our friends over there Good people. the Stanislaw County Office of Education where you can help youth succeed in school at Project SAFE. You know what that stands for? Supporting After School for Everyone. This is a great opportunity. For tutors needed to help K through 8th grade students reading math and homework uh, flexible scheduling available weekdays between 3 and 6 at Empire, Modesto and Salida schools. Uh, interested uh, volunteers should be at least 15 years of age, enjoy working with youth and able to volunteer 1 to 2 hours a week through the spring semester and pass a TB clearance and a background check uh, if you're over age 18 years. So uh, activities offered in these programs include an academic component like Tutor uh, helping with homework, enrichment with arts and crafts, sports, and family literacy focus. So any of these great opportunities, uh, you can call our good friend Barbara Borba. She's reachable at 209-524-1307, extension 113. Again, 209-524-1307, extension 113. Or you can give us a call. We're always happy to talk to you at 209-544-9571. Well, whether it's fires, earthquakes, or floods, our friends Gary and Russ uh, are always... uh uh, online to respond to that and certainly the masters have, have of been, disaster yes right? matt that was good that was good and you know pizza. what you've been there and done that in fact i think you guys have well, that's been why i not anymore <laughs> <was the> <laughs> you guys have been working together and getting each other in trouble and probably still doing some of that uh, as <laughs> we might say <laughs> we yeah. want to move that microphone just a little bit closer to our good friend. Gary the fire warden well
1: you, you know to, as we're introducing uh, Gary and Russ when I left the fire service, and you know they they throw you a little wing ding thing and you finally get a free meal a which wing-ding. is kind of a neat <laughs> thing but anyway <laughs> my my partner Mark, Mark gillarducci had some great words of wisdom as I was entering the ministry full time He says, "Now, Mike, next time you see a burning bush, don't put it out." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to put the wet stuff on you know, the red the, stuff. You know, the wet
1: stuff you on the red stuff, but not a bush, right?
2: <laughs> Mark's gone a
0: long way, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know you guys have, have got a, a lot of stories to tell. And I, I was telling Gary as we were standing in the hallway before the, the program uh, began. I'm just truly grateful for you guys' time because with all of the rains and the flooding that they're expecting in Southern California right now, we never know. When you guys are going to be called away, because what's the old saying, Uh, uh, Lord willing and the creek don't rise? And and how is Dry Creek doing, Gary? I don't know.
4: (laughs) Actually, Dry Creek's doing fairly well. We've not had much rain this year, so Dry Creek's doing pretty well. Our reservoirs are low, so really the rain is is welcome as long as it's not too much too fast. Mm
1: can we can we start out uh, just talking about what a fire warden does and a lot of people understand what a fire chief is but the fire warden maybe isn't something they quite understand and we're not going to go into the whole ICS or CIM, I don't know whatever whatever it's called now SEMS or whatever but talk a little bit about what a fire warden does and then a little bit about your role uh with uh, with OES here in the county. You
4: know, it, it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. My my first 30 years in the fire service was with Modesto Fire Department, and then uh, I replaced the guy sitting here over on my left as, as he retired, and then we didn't let him go very far. We brought him back. So the responsibilities of the fire warden in the county, most counties have a fire warden, and it's kind of an obscure position, but it represents the county interests to the fire districts or departments and serves as coordination and and, um, and kind of a communication linkage to the fire agencies. We play a unique role in that every time you see assets and resources, fire assets and resources, go to Southern California or someplace in California, those are dispatched through our office. So all of the fire assets come up through the Fire Rescue Mutual Aid coordination uh, position of our office, and, and we make sure that when requests are made from Southern California, Northern California, around the state, that if we have assets and resources we can deploy, that's our job is to make sure that those things are fulfilled, and we send some of those. We get to go occasionally.
0: And, um, <laughs> is that being polite, uh, Gary? Well, That's yeah, being sometimes very polite, uh,
4: isn't it? you get to travel to places that are just gems. They're actually very beautiful, but sometimes they're on fire. That's not quite the time that yeah. you want to visit there. It's not made for a destination location. Let's right. go there.
1: Well, and, and, of course, Russ, Gary, is kind of like the Yoda of the fire service. I mean, you know, you, the knowledge that, uh, Russ, you, you have and the years of experience are just quite amazing. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, just just looking back at, at the way God has blessed you in this business and, and maybe some of the changes
2: that you see today that are important. Well, God has certainly blessed me by allowing me to take the path that I have. There's no doubt about that. And uh, I just uh, I, I try to remember that every day, the places that he's led me, mm-hmm. and in many times the places he's led me out of mm-hmm. that I've gotten myself into. Those are probably just about as numerous, but... Uh, Um, I can remember uh, when I considered taking the fire warden's job back in 1982, um, I can remember a local fire chief saying, uh, you don't really want that job. You'll never make it in that job. And, Uh of course, not wanting to listen very much. I I took it, and it wasn't very long at all before uh, I was talking to God saying, he was right. I can't do this, except if you bring me through this challenge, mm-hmm. I can do it. Mm-hmm. And from that very day on, it was very, very clear to me. I can remember it was like it was yesterday. Uh, I had to rely on him mm-hmm. uh, to help me every step of the way to mm-hmm. uh, you know, go through that, uh, that part of my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were days when I forgot, days when I knew better and made the decisions, but it didn't take long to come back around and know that, uh, you know, that uh, it, it really was going to require God in my life on a daily basis to uh, make me successful in that. Mm-hmm. As far as the changes, they're phenomenal. Uh, The fire service of 20 or 30 years ago was really pretty simple and effective. Uh, By simple, I mean that uh, the requirements were uh, very clean-cut, very very plain, uh, uh, very few. It was a community service, and people primarily did it just out of the goodness of their heart and and wanting to attend. And it has become so complex now. Uh, I watch Chief Henshaw two days a week because that's well, they'll let me be there. (laughs) And I I just i don't don't understand how he works his way through some of the issues Mm. uh, of of modern-day fire service, Uh, uh, but but I don't even understand them. It's almost impossible to understand the links and the complexities of public service these days.
0: You know, Russ, I know that you, and I've heard that you've got some pretty big shoes to fill, and you guys are just amazing, both of you to me uh, to to see you work and, and, and to know that your faith is such a, a big part of, of how you you 've come through all that you've come through and it 's just inspiring to to watch you both and, and to get to serve with you and, and Gary to serve with you in different different capacities in the community and it's just it's wonderful um, and and to see you in the community. We serve, and we we were so blessed to have uh, some kingdom-minded men on the program with us last week, and uh, we were talking about uh, this community. There's something special about this community. Would you agree? I mean, there's just something special about this area, and we've, we've, we've taken our hits in this area. We certainly have in the media, and, and we've certainly taken some knocks, but we've come through it and we're working through it, But the people that you and Gary both have mentored and the people that are coming up in the ranks alongside you, they're learning from people like you, from the caliber of men that you are. They're learning from you, and that that, that says a lot. Thank you. the things that you guys are, are are doing in this community is just just remarkable, and we just we just uh, really are appreciative that you could be here with us tonight. Some of the stories that you 've seen I just I just have to think that there 's a book inside of each of you and and even and, and Pastor Mike because we we kind of teasingly talk about him glowing in the dark after all of his experiences <laughs> in the fire and and in the the police department, and now that he 's uh, volunteering in the chaplaincy and, and uh, the various areas that he is, but you guys see a lot, and you know and I, I think about our first responders um, and the the things that they need. I think oftentimes that our first responders and people who do what you do get overlooked because you 're out there on the front line, many of you are on the front lines, and you have needs, and you have families and you have lives. And you're out there working and, and meeting everybody's needs, but then you go home and, and you have needs. And speak to that a little bit, Russ. I mean, you—you, you, you, you know—you have needs, and, and who meets your needs? Well, emotionally and spiritually, after you've done a hard day's work and and uh, you've seen all of the things that you've seen, what happens uh, for you?
2: Sure. Well. Uh... A great family is, is, is one thing. I just celebrated 42 years of marriage. Amen. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yay. And uh, that's, that's just a very strong part of my life. Right on. <clears throat> and uh, it, uh, it gives me the opportunity to uh kind of balance everything that's going on during the day you know with some some very a uh, stable relationship a stable platform at home uh that you can go home and uh sometimes hide behind quite frankly and uh then of course there's uh, our spiritual family uh my immediate blood family and and of course all the friends in our church mm. uh that uh, provide that platform and uh, i would be remiss if i didn't say that uh one reason i have continued to work 6 years after retirement even if it's just 2 days a week is because of the type of people that I work with. I've never worked with anyone like them before. Um, it doesn't matter what we're doing on the on the best of days or the worst of days. It's a very uplifting, supporting group. And, uh, of course, uh, this is going to sound like I'm blowing smoke, but uh, Chief Henshaw sets the tone for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sets the uh, the example for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a, it's an environment that I've never been privileged to work in before, and I, I, I love every moment of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, guys. Uh, one of you were talking about families, uh, Elaine, just a moment ago. And having been on both sides, both uh, in, in law enforcement and in in the fire service, I noticed a st- distinct difference. You know, in in law enforcement, it kind of loners. I mean, you know, you back each other up and you lay down your life for each other, but basically, it's it's not a family. and the fire service. Uh, Chief Gary Hinch uh, isn't. There's a real special kind of family feeling to a to a firehouse, isn't there? And, and uh, sometimes that creates a little attention, e- even in, in some people's uh, families at home. <laughs>
4: Well, when you think that, um, and it's kind of unique that you bring that up, uh, the the fire service, most of their functionality is team-oriented in that it takes one to support the other to support the other. It takes three to do a function, five to do a function, 18 to make entry and those kinds of things. So they have to function like a well-orchestrated group uh... they become one in that that they spend eleven or twelve days a month twenty four hours a day as a group and that becomes a family a lot of times they are your extended family and people migrate to one another that share certain interests and and they become closer and they become friends for the rest of their lives in fact I, i met russ long before uh, we came together later on and I admired him from a distance Mm -hmm. and then I had the opportunity to admire him up close and and now we get to share some time together. The the piece he left out that I think is pretty important um, in his life that I watch uh, him mentor and and you've seen him out where he takes the kids out underneath the stars and teaches and does some of those things but he's got a real special Mm -hmm. young man in his group and that's his his, uh, grandson Rusty. Mm. and rusty has some special needs and and i tell you if i had a grandfather or a mentor this mm. would be the guy that i'd have over my shoulder because he's there day and night for that guy mm. and uh, he's that way for his community he's that way for his church he's that way for his work but he leaves rusty uh, right there at the pinnacle of things and that's pretty Amen. special so uh what a mentor he is Amen.
1: you know guys uh we we so often in in our american idea of, of doing church and and being a christian we tend to compartmentalize you know this is this is work this is church uh, this is ministry this is family and of course god intended that all of that integrates any special challenges for you over your careers in terms of integrating uh, your your walk as as a believer with uh, the duties that, that you've been assigned? Any special challenges, or do you feel that, man, man, God kind of opened some doors for you and, and provided you with some great opportunities there?
4: Well, I, I think that um, over the years for me, especially in the last 20 years that I've walked with the Lord. I'm um, much like Russ. I I thought that I could steer the ship several times until mm. I determined that steering was not something that was really uh, an option any longer. And and the minute I began to release my grip on that, I found doors open for me that I, I did not see, nor could have I seen. And one of them that I truly enjoy that that keeps me grounded, that brings me through the week and allows me to get there, is I get to serve with Elaine on Sundays in our church. So uh, it's it's a, a ministry unto ourselves, but we get to touch literally hundreds of people that come through our door, and everybody has a story that... Makes you realize how blessed we are that we can turn to the Lord and and spend time in prayer and and share some things. So uh, that that keeps that keeps me going week in and week out as I look forward to that time and that's throughout the week. So it doesn't just end on a Sunday or begin on a Sunday.
0: You know, as you've been sharing, I was thinking about and 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 Russ, you could probably share on this too about the compassion uh, piece of, of of what you do because I have to think that. Uh, there's a lot of, I know with Gary, there's a lot of compassion in what he does and uh, how the Lord drew you into what you did. How many years ago, Russ, I won't say <laughs> the word old, I know you might okay. do it earlier on, but I, I won't say that. Right. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I mean, years ago when you first got into the business and the Lord touched your heart, I mean, there was there was something that drew you to do what you did and... Talk about that. Well,
2: yeah, it, it, it's been about 40 years in, in one form or another. I was That's a volunteer for a while. and a relatively short time, time right? Uh, yes. I'd like to think so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that drew me in. But uh, uh, it, it, was, it was kind of a need to serve uh, 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 my community and my country. Uh, I, I attempted to get into the uh, military when I was in college and could not for some medical reasons. And I just felt a strong need to... Uh, to give back to my country, you know, and mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it through that means. And this was kind of a different means of doing that. And it just had uh, very appealing things to me where I could serve, you know, I, I could serve. I could be a servant for the country uh, and, and my community. Um, it not only provides an opportunity to... Uh, uh, to, to provide the service that you, you know, see on a day-to-day basis. But really, as Chief Henshaw said, to kind of set an example uh, that reaches other people in a rather unusual way. We, we touch people not on a day-to-day basis, but when they are sometimes at their lowest or at their most desperate and things yes, like that. Yes. And we can't always make a dramatic difference, but we can always project, I think, a, a – kind of a tone of of doing things for the right reason, Um, a lot of compassion, as you say. Um, Chief Hinshaw has a saying that I I just really admire, and and that is uh, that we have to have um, uh, a servant's heart to do this work. Uh, I've I've learned that saying from him, and I, I really use it quite often. It's really the core of what we do. And I think more recently, I think the older I get and even retiring out, I feel more of a need to give back to the community. Mm. Uh, we look at a lot of people that will get a job and they'll change maybe every year or two depending on the salary and the benefits. Uh, but there's more to it than that. There's the opportunity, you know, to give back to a community and an employer that has been so good to me for so many years, you know, that uh, it's just uh, – I, I wouldn't want him to hear this, but i do this for free. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Gary just lit up on that one, I think.
0: Chief well. Pinshaw definitely has a servant's heart.
1: <laughs> you know, uh, we were talking a couple minutes ago about changes in in the fire service, and, you know, back to the days when uh, the, the alarm went out and you loaded some buckets on a horse-drawn carriage, and you went <laughs> and you did put the wet stuff on the red stuff, and that was about it. And now, far more complex, the medical component of fire, Uh, Response has become such a major part of it. And then the complexity, uh, Gary, of of what you do in terms of making connections, you know, um, and we'll go into detail after the break, but you remember back a couple hundred years ago, a guy named Jethro looked at his son in law Moses and said, What you're doing is not good. You're trying to do it all yourself, and and I I think basically set up the first incident command system. You know, for for judging anyway. And and there is there is just an uh, we've seen an intricate a well-proven and usually pretty well-oiled machine that works today, uh, Gary. Just give us a brief overview of the complexity of what it takes to get resources coming in from all over the nation or from Northern California uh, to Southern California when mutual aid happens. That is, that is a product of a series of events that has to happen that are, that are pretty complex you know
4: and 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 to pastor mike i think you you touch on a process but then you got to bring the people to the process yeah. and there is just as diverse as the process is complex and the and the process was originated by some of these guys that are sitting in the room mm. as part of the old firescope group but they uh They did some work in Southern California that that, that laid the foundation for what we call SIMS, Standard Emergency Management in California, which is now translated to the national framework for response called NIMS, the National Incident Management System. And it's really fairly simple. It's bottom-driven up. If a local community has a problem that exceeds their capabilities, then they go to the county to the operational area and ask for assistance. And that assistance is spread out throughout the county to help those that one agency meet their need to either mitigate and recover from. And then the next component is if the county can't meet the requirements of that particular event or fire or disaster, we go to the region and we spread it out over 11 counties or 12 counties throughout the state. And if we can't fulfill the needs there, then we go to the entire state, over 58 counties. And if we can't fulfill the need there, we go to the thing called EMAC, of which we are now signatures, and that's the emergency management assistance grant or compact that we've signed for the state. So we start out locally, but when we exceed it, we go vertically to the state and ultimately to the federal government to assist us. So that's kind of a system that's in place. It's tried and true, and we use that. But then you got to come back to who puts – all the pieces together mm-hmm. at the local level, and who is that? And I, I think it's we would be remiss if we say the system without the people that make it up. Years ago, we looked at the emergency services, police or law enforcement, fire, ambulance, hazmat, and dispatch. Today I haven't got enough toes and fingers in this room to go around all the players, and including the faith-based groups. You know, we rely on the work that you do in our community. If we go back to the 1997 flood, some of the efforts – You're still fulfilling needs in our community today. So it's not just a short-term solution, and it's just not single point. There's a whole bunch of people that make up a community.
0: Wow. Wow, that is so cool. You know, we're just so glad to have you guys here, and we've got so much more to cover. One of the lines in this week's song, and I, I think it's a couple minutes into the song, says, No one's too lost for you to love, and no one's too low for you to serve. Talking about that compassion thing. And uh, I just think that's so cool and, and they're singing about Jesus, of course And it, it's called The Face of Love That's our, our song And it's from the group They call themselves Sanctus Real And we're going to listen And we'll be back here on Lighthouse Live.
3: I've seen your face On stained glass and color lights pictures of you looking to the sky you've been portrayed a thousand different ways but my heart can see you better than my eyes because it's love that paints the portrait of yours Too lost for me to love. No one too low for me to serve. Oh, let us see, let us be your friends.
0: Face of love. Don't you love that? No one's too lost for you to love. No one's too low for you to serve. Can't we be the face of love? That's just great. I love that. Sanctus Real. The face of love mm-hmm. on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Chief Warden Gary Henshaw and Russ Richards, who is just a man with so many titles. I almost don't know where to begin, but we are so glad
3: <laughs> to have
0: you here. <laughs> so grateful for your time because you're so busy. And to be truthful, I didn't know where in the world you guys would be tonight. I just was hoping
1: would it wasn't raining too hard, right? (laughs) It
0: wasn't going to be raining or any major disasters or events of any kind because we had you guys booked for a while.
1: (laughs) You know, guys, uh, in in our area, there's some obvious hazards. Remember the flooding of 1997, and if you drive around our infrastructure here, you're often reminded that flooding is a great potential. Um, (laughs) But there are some things that folks don't often think about. Uh, some hazards, especially in this day of uh, biological hazards and such let 's talk about uh, maybe uh, to, uh, some of the hazards that people may not think about on a day to day basis and yet are very real and possibly present here uh, in the central valley, aside from you know fires and and hazardous material stuff, possibly on trains or whatever. What are some of the other hazards that we need to be thinking about and that we 're planning for in this area?
4: well, you know pastor mike if i if I might start let's let's start with how we've prepared ourselves locally or nationally. Some of the recent surveys have said that less than ten percent of our national population our nation's population have prepared or done any kind of preparedness in the home so if we we being emergency first responders, you being first responders that make up our community, if we haven't prepared our homes, oh it doesn't make any difference what the disaster is if we're not prepared, and most of us say right off the bat. Gosh, I didn't believe that could happen to me. Mm. And then they find themselves in a terrible dilemma, and it's too late to be prepared. So we we need to start with preparedness starts in the home, and I'm sure you're going to talk a little bit about that. What are the risks that we see today? I I think the paradigm shift is what Chief Richards and I referred to in a lot of our speaking. Up until about 2000, most of the efforts in California and nationally were – for natural occurring and some limited man-made disasters, some of the hazmats, but basically floods, fires, earthquakes in California yeah. are something that we're all familiar with. We wouldn't take the tornadoes, but we we live through the earthquakes, and we don't seem to be bothered too much. But as the century changed, so did the threats. And I think that when we look at national... Um, Surveys, most people fear more a biological act of terrorism or domestic terrorism or, or, or international terrorism on domestic soil uh, more than they do the natural disasters. But when you take a look at the occurrence, the frequency of something of domestic terrorism on, on United States soil is fairly limited. But we spend a lot of our resources. We train for a thing in, in all of the counties called Seaburn. And it's chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear, and explosive. So we began preparing our community. If I had to rate those, the ones that I think that we should be thinking about that many of us have not, and they could be something that we could face in this area, um, would be a biological event in either humans, plant, animal, or poultry. If you remember a few years ago, uh, we've had some – Uh, natural occurring diseases that have affected our poultry, Yes, uh, that we have that thing called avian influenza in the Asian area and different parts of the world that's still circling the globe. And and I always ask people that I speak to, if we had an outbreak of avian influenza through the wild game in the Central Valley, would you eat poultry? And many of them say no. And I immediately say, I'll take whatever you have left over because our food supply is very good. Mm. So in emergency management, sometimes the key is making sure that people have good information and understand what is the real problem and what is perception. So sometimes perception can be more devastating than the reality of the event. So we're preparing for exotic Newcastles in, in poultry for uh, outbreaks that you see in some of the leafy greens with our ag commissioners. Our environmental resources folks have become key players in this um, if If you look at who are the emergency managers, it's just about all of our community anymore that make up the first responders because of their expertise. Our public health official, Dr. Walker, mm-hmm. is critical yes. to these mm-hmm. issues and and um so we look at the world as used to be geographically bound by these events. You could yeah. see an earthquake because this was the area of the greatest devastation, and it ended here a biological outbreak in either poultry animals or human. Uh, doesn't know a geographical boundary that makes it much more difficult for us to manage and we have to manage on regional and statewide basis not just on local level amen
1: you know why uh, you brought up this issue of, of preparedness and uh, before we go into that i grew up in la in pasadena and you know earthquakes were part and parcel of my life down there i mean that if you didn't have one once in a while you wonder what was going wrong. you know the rapture must be coming soon or something the earthquake stopped and uh but what what helped with that is that every time you had one that was more than about a 3.7 everybody got ready okay and, and and it was a great impetus and and uh when I was in emergency management down there we loved it when these little earthquakes happened because everybody got excited and the radio stations would carry the stories and then, but but then when you didn't have one for a while you know the interest kind of dropped off what's the challenge how do we keep people interested and motivated to prepare themselves for an emergency when nothing's happened for a while?
2: Well, it's pretty difficult to do. <laughs> we found, quite frankly, that the best way to keep families prepared and to get that message through the families is not uh, dealing with the adults, it's dealing with Amen, the children. yeah. Ooh, there uh, you go. Yeah, a, a child mm-hmm. coming home, waving a packet or a paper in the parent's mm-hmm, face, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. saying, you know, we need to do this, is, is often the way that those get done. And we, uh, we use the school systems extensively to uh, to, uh you know, spread that word. Uh, it, it's somewhat of an annual event for us. Stanislaus County, by and large, I think we agree, is a relatively safe place to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a couple of faults. It was till <laughs> I came here.
0: I, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. I'm glad you said that. I was beating Elaine to that one. I,
2: <laughs>
1: I saw her look, and I went, I'll just diffuse that right now. I, back on that mannequin you <laughs> <pull> up. Okay. <laughs>
2: We have a few, uh, you know, natural-based uh, things like our uh, the, the the weather events and the wind sure. events and uh, floods and earthquakes, but uh, they are fairly moderate. They've always mm-hmm. been moderate. We don't have a, a great potential for that. Uh, we do have the uh, the three rivers and the dams above us, but they're mm-hmm. they're they're just they're they're very safe. They're very well engineered. They're they're not old by any means, and uh, we think the uh, the risk there is certainly uh, manageable and minimal. Uh, some of the things that we also have to prepare for, uh, in addition to the the natural disasters and the man-made disasters, um, Chief Henshaw works on quite a bit, are, are some of the the secondary or support things that we might have to prepare for. And, and he knows this well enough, he can give you some numbers, but we're talking about things like a large uh, maybe biological or radiological or earthquake event in the Bay Area yes. mm-hmm. where we don't have any direct impact here or it's minimal, but our impact is going to be from the people that, uh, you know, come over the Aldemont Pass right. and try to make Stanislaus County their home either short-term or long-term. How are we going to deal with that? I can tell you that the Office of Emergency Service is not going to deal with that. That is going to uh, require the, uh, uh, the 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 community and the faith-based organizations to step up and meet that need. So one thing that uh, Chief Inshaw does through OES is to try to uh, support and coordinate all of those agencies that are out there really wanting to help, simply needing to be brought together and put into a common focus, kind of a common operating platform Mm -hmm. uh, that we use here and in every other county so we can actually uh, do an effective uh, job. I think we learned during the 97 floods when the counties to the north of us sent their people south on Highway 99 and I-5 looking for a place, and some of the counties north of us said, keep on going don't stop here keep on going well since then obviously we've identified that as something that we have to deal with
0: and again the purpose is not to panic but to to stay informed and be prepared right yes that's correct exactly
1: you know one of one of the um the major issues in in this whole preparedness uh, um challenge and and you know god bless you both of you, for hanging in there and, and staying, uh, staying at the table on this because it's, it's a critical thing. I, I imagine sometimes you're looking at it and saying, how are we going to make this happen? And, and look at the what ifs, and I'm sure that becomes a little bit over overwhelming sometimes. But I think one of the issues that we've seen, and it's crept into the church and I think has devastated our, our impact in the community, but it's, it's this uh, fallacy that, that we have in America today that no matter what happens, the government's going to take mm-hmm. care of it. When 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 it hits the fan, we have to rely upon ourselves in our community. You and the government can help coordinate our efforts and and the efforts of of some outside assistance. But really, the successful uh, uh, dealing with the event and then the recovery from it, a lot of that depends upon us in our neighborhoods, right? And uh, and and the government's not the one that's going to save us, is it?
4: No, you know, I, I I think Pastor Mike, when you bring that up, it it really makes my heart sore a little bit because, Elaine, what you were saying at the at the opening of the of the. The hour that we were going to spend together was that we are blessed by our community. We really are blessed. We have different groups that have taken that charge, that mantra, and begun to prepare themselves. We have the Latino Emergency Communication mm-hmm. Group that is really working as a group toward how would they plug in those assets that they have in their community to benefit our community. We have a lot of the churches in our community through you guys that are coming around saying, what can we do and how do we prepare ourselves to be servants in this period of time? We were just speaking about CERT, the Community Emergency Response Team Mm -hmm. training that's available through Modesto Fire Department Mm -hmm. that helps you have the tools that you need to prepare your home and your community, and then once that's stable, serve in another organized fashion through our office that could be deployed elsewhere in the county to assist and the list goes on and on. And what we really need to do is create a volunteer force that has the knowledge, the tools, and the experience that they need to take care of their homes, their neighborhoods, and then serve their communities for us to be successful. There's not enough emergency managers and emergency first responders to go around.
1: No, and, and when the uh, disaster, when the event does hit, you you respond the way you train, don't you?
4: That has been just embrain, er, en, ingrained in us for all of our lives. You yeah. know when you pick up a breathing apparatus that if you can't put it on with yeah. uh, in the dark with one hand tied behind your back, you yeah. may not survive that yeah. event. Yeah. So for us to teach our communities, they, they need to be comfortable with the skill sets and then do some training with that so that they can perform the way they've trained.
0: Amen. You're tuned into Lighthouse Live, and we'll be back with more right after this.
1: Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. we have a proven solution advancing vibrant communities we bridge the gap we connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors pure simple proven effective advancing vibrant communities what's our motivation Jesus's command in Matthew 22 39 to love your neighbor as yourself the church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs.
2: The very first story that Mike told about ABC involved serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective.
4: This organization comes
1: along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. ABC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department.
0: Habitat and ABC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community, and helping others.
1: AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link and I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of of life.
0: You know some of us can donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that
3: these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life.
1: we ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities, faith in action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves.
2: Thank you.
0: And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Chief Gary Henshaw, And Russ Richards, and I'll tell you what, you just can't find better men sitting around Mm -hmm. gracing this table Mm -hmm. than what we have here tonight. And, you know, when I think about community involvement and the partnership and the networking going on with the Office of Emergency Services and the people that gather together to uh, make sure that we are doing all that we can to communicate in times of disasters and events that uh, it's not when they will happen, or if they will happen, but when these things take place, uh, Chief Henshaw. Uh, we were just at a meeting just this last week, networking with some of the likes of uh, Dr. John Walker and, and some of the people getting together, discussing special populations and things like that, mm-hmm. because we here at AVC uh, work with a lot of uh, special populations, being people that uh, cannot... Uh, uh, have difficulty mobilizing and, and, and responding to uh, calls to evacuate and things like that. Um, it's important that we communicate with each other, and that's the whole purpose, uh, I think, of, of uh, gathering in meetings and networking and partnering with uh, people in the community.
1: I really sense, guys, there's an open door right now, in, in at least here in, in Stan- Stanislaus County, for the faith-based community mm. to work with government. I have never sensed in this city or this county a sense of government saying to the church, faith-based community in general, we we don't need you or we don't want you. And that's, a, that's a special thing because you don't run into that everywhere. From your perspective, well, we sense it on ours. From your perspective, do you, do you feel that as well, that, that there seems to be just an acceptance that we've all got to work together and, and that it's okay to, to have that
2: merger? I yes I think we do and it's kind of been a long coming it's probably uh, well overdue there's no doubt about that but I think the traditional mindset in emergency services we have the small group of emergency managers and emergency services from the governor uh, from the government and we're here to take care of you
3: mm-hmm.
2: and in the days when the traditional emergencies were fire, law enforcement, and EMS, we could do a pretty good job. We were fairly well, fairly adept, and fairly well-staffed to do that. But it's become very evident, especially since uh, uh, since 9-11, and then throwing in other issues that uh, Chief Henshaw mentioned, like uh, uh, ag-related issues, uh, public health issues, pandemic flu, that we certainly – Number one, we cannot handle it by ourselves, nor mm-hmm. will we ever mm-hmm. be able to. Mm-hmm. So what is a solution? Well, the solution is to put together uh, uh, a program, you know, that, that can make some, uh, some advances there, and, and it's got to involve uh, everybody in the community. Mm-hmm. We learned very early on back in Y2K when we took a look at some of our communities we, we were We took a look and we were amazed at the resources and the knowledge that we had right next door to every single one of us. Mm. It's just unbelievable what's out there, so as I mentioned before. The process of bringing all of those resources together and coordinating and supporting them, so we have a system where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, I think we now are very aware is the only answer to mm. deal with uh, some of the issues that we have as a potential ahead of us mm.
4: I, I think as we as we look at our communities, our strength are are really the folks that make up our community and to give them the tools that they need. And we've we've looked at several of the of the programs up and down the state. One that we find that has been on the books in, in our county for many, many years. In fact, I think Chief Richards' father may have been on one of the original for, functions of that. It was a disaster council. And we have that by SIMS by the Standard Emergency Management through the Operational Area Council. And we're going to blossom that out a little bit and include a seat at the table for emergency management that represents those communities that you were talking about, mm-hmm. Elaine, and, and for the faith-based groups to really come through this office or other offices and function under what we call the three C's. We need to communicate, we need to coordinate, yes. and we need to collaborate. Mm-hmm. So we take the strength of all of that and if they have the information, they're a force to be working with. They really know what yeah. to do if they're given the appropriate training and some direction and good timely communication and then we need to be able to notify our community and reach out and touch those. And we're working on some tools that allow us to do some of that. But but we saw in the heat emergency that came this yes, last year that yes. we didn't quite see coming, uh, kind of an unusual event uh, occur kind of slowly until it began to unfold in front of us. And then you had to respond fairly quickly. And in some cases, uh, up and down the state, it was too late. And that were folks that may not have got the information, lived in old brick or old uh, mortared houses, where the temperature began to Mm. slowly escalate over a period of time. And and we saw a very unique set of circumstances in California. But we found that the communication tool is right in front of us. Our community services agency, our uh, area aging group, uh, Mm -hmm. you guys came on board. Mm -hmm. And we were able to communicate and touch a lot of the folks out there that we were worried about, but we just don't know where they're at. And so uh, a unique set of circumstances. You're
1: leveraging the networks that are already out there. Absolutely. You're just connecting with them Mm -hmm. and making them happen. You know, Elaine, we often talk about the fact, especially in these either cold waves or heat waves, wow. there are a bunch of elderly people in these little metal boxes in mobile home parks, many of whom whose families have abandoned them, and they're forgotten, you know, in a major... Th- and and if they're not checked up on, you know, some of them die in those, in those boxes. And yet, uh, you know, so often there is a mechanism to reach them. You know, it's just tapping into that. And talking about that because uh, we're bumping the clock oh, a little bit, how can happens. people get a hold of you and and you know kind of be get trained and and be plugged into this incredible network that you have?
4: A couple different ways. Let's give you a phone number for our office. Yes. Our office is two zero nine five five two three six zero zero you can go onto the county's website and go onto the emergency organization side and click on that and it's stanemergency.org and you can go onto there and find several let me give you another one in preparing your community it's very simple go onto ready.gov and there are several good guidelines and directions that just check sheets for you to prepare your family and uh caller office would
2: be happy to help very
0: good very quickly guys how can we pray for you russ
2: well i think you uh, i think you can pray you know for the safety of uh, uh, emergency responders across the board and, uh, you know, uh, allowing them for the ability to do what th- their part for the community.
0: All right. And, and Chief Gary Henshaw, how can we pray for you?
4: For our community, that we, that we really find strength in the Lord and that we really focus on those things that are important and that we lean on Him. And that uh, I think our communities are the most important asset that we have. It's our people.
1: Amen. We guys are just valuable uh, treasures that God has given mm-hmm. us in our community. Thank you for what you do, and thank you for being with us this afternoon.
0: How you've blessed us and blessed our listeners. Thank you for listening wherever you may happen to be tonight. Be sure and join us next week. Dr. Steve Lawson joins us, and uh, he's sure to have some great things for us in store next week. And be sure to tune in to our Heaven Series following this program. Have a great week, and may God continue to bless you.